We've been talking about rest and um, listen, if you've been, if you've been, uh, if you've come to this church any length of time, every pastor that's ever done this before has a theme uh, throughout their preaching career. Everyone does. If you stick with, if you stick in a church for, for 20 years, you'll recognize there's a theme behind, and I don't care what church you go to, you'll recognize there's a theme behind, um, what they, what the pastor would preach. Um, no matter what the topic is, this theme tends to emerge. And, um, and I think the theme that tends to emerge through me is one of, I told you last week, I'm an eternal optimist. I believe we win in the end. I believe heaven's real. I believe Jesus is coming back. I believe that it's going to be really, really nice. Um, like better than you can imagine. Uh, I, I, I think we have overcoming power here on this earth and also life on this earth stinks at times. And we are called at all times to persevere, to hold true to the faith, and to endure to the end. So if there's any theme in, in my preaching, it's that, that, that we should be eternal optimists, but we should be realists at the same time. And you're not going to get, you're not going to be liked all the time. I was just talking, Beth and I were just talking this week. I was, I, and it kind of in response to last week's sermon, the idea that you do realize everything we do now in our society depends on what other people think. You will not go into Target and buy a coffee maker without first consulting Amazon, making sure the whole globe approves of that coffee maker. Right? You're like, well, it only got 500 likes. I can't do that. I'm buying the coffee maker with 30,000 likes. And you know what the real, you know what the, can I, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy, but I'm saying you don't know how they got there. You have no idea how the likes got there. You just pull it up on your phone. And you go, this one got 30,000. Do you remember back in the day when 500 people liked something? You're like, the whole world likes it. Now you go on Google and if the whole community of Google doesn't approve, we don't do it. And so, so it's, it's reducing us to being people that just follow, 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 instead of stepping out and going, that's the coffee maker that I want. I don't care what anybody else thinks. Because sooner or later, that same mentality creeps into your theology. That same mentality creeps into your lifestyle. That same mentality creeps into the way you do your marriage and the way you do, you raise your kids. And you all of a sudden, without, without consciousness of doing it, you all of a sudden go, oh, well, well, I wonder what, how everybody else is doing this with their kids. And sometimes what 30,000 people are doing with their kids isn't right. And sometimes what 40 people are doing with their kids is right. Are you following me? So in order for the church to be at rest, we have to be okay with those things. The realistic part of following Christ that we talked about last week was that not everything you do or believe or say will be fully accepted by everybody around you. That doesn't give you the right to be nasty. Doesn't give you the right to be a... That's a good term. I wish this was a Wednesday night. I could say other things. Um, it doesn't give you the, it doesn't give you the ability to just be a jerk face. 
because we're, we, we, we still come in grace and truth. Amen. And so today I want to talk to you. The first Psalm, Psalm one sets the stage for, for the book of Psalms. And, and this Psalm is also kind of paraphrased by Jeremiah later. And it talks about if you're planted in the right spot, that when the realistic, the realism of life comes to you, uh, it, it will, you will fare differently than, than if you weren't planted in the right spot. So we're going to read that this morning because I want you in all circumstances, all seasons, all, all things that you walk through to at the end of the day, be at rest in here. Your body might hurt, but you can be at rest in here. Your job might stink, but you can be at rest in here. Your, your marriage not be the, might, might not be the best it could be, but you can be at rest. Amen. Because all those things are circumstantial. Some of you are going, well, I wish you could t- teach me how to get out of this circumstance. Maybe not so fast. We're going to read from Psalm 1. Then we're going to read from Jeremiah. So why don't you stand to your feet in honor of the word. Psalm chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 through 6. And then we'll go down and read, read Jeremiah 15 or 17, 5 through 8. Are you ready? Say amen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. But they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now we fast forward to Jeremiah chapter 17, and I'll explain to you the context of this in a second. But it sounds very similar. Jeremiah 17 verses 5 through 8. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man. And makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. God, we pray that we would find rest in you. Lord, that the chaos of life is, is going to be there. The, the difficulties and relationships, the, the challenges of our, of our daily work will be there. But you promised us rest in your presence. So Lord, that's what we look for today, that you could, that you could bring peace to our, to our hearts and minds as we trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, everyone said, you may be seated. Psalm 1 is an introduction to the whole collection of Psalms. It's fitting 
for it to address what a blessed life looks like right up front. In the Psalms, you'll, you'll hear David talking about the difficulties of life and the difficulties of even his own sin and the challenges of being, of being chased and your life being in danger, the challenges, the real challenges of being a king and having real enemies, the real challenges of his job, the real challenges of, of when he has an affair. You also hear him glorifying God and, and how God is his savior and his trust. And you'll hear all those things in the Psalms. But, but if you back up all the way to the beginning, the psalmist starts out with, this is the way of the wicked and this is the way of the righteous. And this is the results of it. Jeremiah, who, who comes along later, uh, is, a, is a prophet who is prophesying during the reign of um, King Josiah in Judah. And he's prophesying all the way until the, until the exile of Israelites into Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar will come in and finally take over uh, the land and exile, exile the people living there. And Jeremiah, who is often referred to as the weeping prophet, because there's nothing great about prophesying that you are going to be going into exile for 70 years. That's not a, that's not a fun thing. Nobody wants to hear that. Amen. Could you imagine that being your job? going to work every day and going, you guys are going to lose. There's nothing you can do about it now. So, um, but Jeremiah wasn't all doom and gloom. He, there was some hope. I mean, he did tell them ultimately, hey, listen, God still loves you. God's keeping his promise to you. You're not going to be eradicated from the earth. When you go into Babylon, plant gardens, build houses, have children, live a peaceful life, and God will restore you one day. And so even in the midst of this chaos, even in the midst of this judgment, uh, he, was, he had a, an ultimate message of hope. Jeremiah paraphrases, we think, Psalm 1, when he said, this is what the wicked look like, and this is what the righteous look like. This is where the righteous obtain their strength. This is where the wicked think they obtain their strength. And this is the results of the two formulas. It's, an, it's important to understand um, a couple things about this text here. And, and the realization in, in Psalm 1 and in Jeremiah that, um, that these are universal principles... That don't just apply to their time, but for all time. And we're talking about very simplistic ideas about who we place our trust in and the result of where we place that trust. Are you following me? Who, where you trust, where you place your hope and your trust depends in a large amount of how things turn out. Whether you trust yourself. Whether you trust in your own strength whether you, or whether you sincerely put your hope and faith in God. So Psalm 1 starts out, um, starts out with a bunch of don'ts. How many of you like uh, when the doctor says, you want good news or bad news first? Which one do you take? Do you say, oh yeah, go ahead and give me the bad news. Anybody say that? 
Okay, if you have the rest of you are like, tell me the good news and then I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> the psalmist starts out, blessed are those who do not. He starts out with the negative and there's three of them. And they are in increasing intensity, these negatives. It's not like they're doing three different things. They're doing one thing increasingly uh, opposite of what God would want them to do. So what's he say? He says, he says that the wicked walks in the counsel of the, or he said, blesses a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Okay. So we have walking. So imagine, imagine that you're just with somebody and you're walking. That's a, that's sort of a, you're in a relational distance to them, right? Like you could walk together a little bit. Doesn't mean you're connected. You're not holding hands yet. You're not that far along. Some of you just got that. And some of you are like, why would we hold hands? We could text, but that's uh, different too. So you're just walking along. It's a, it's a, it's an indication of a, of a certain amount of relationship going there. Blessed is a man who does not walk with the wicked, who does not, who does not walk Side by side with the wicked. What can you do with walking? You can carry on a conversation, but it's going to be temporary because you're walking somewhere. True? You never, you don't walk forever. You don't like, well, I'm on this walk with this person. We're never going to stop walking. No, so there's a, there's a, there's a idea of a relationship that started. Who does not walk with the wicked? Then the next thing is, it says, nor, nor stands in the way of sinners. Okay, so now imagine, okay, let's just pick a, let's just pick a Tuesday. You're at Walmart and you see somebody, but you don't want to, anybody keep walking and talking because you don't want to stop. Is there any, any of you? Because you know, if you stop, you know, what's going to happen. You're going to get the whole story, right? So what do we do? We, 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 uh, we walk in and we go, Hey, how's it going? Oh man, it's so good to see you, man. Uh, have a great day. And then you just, you just, you're like, I was going to go to the pharmacy, but there's a line and that would cause me to stop. So I'm going to, I'm going to just keep walking. Okay. So, so, so the, the psalmist is painting a picture of you do not walk with in the way of sinners. That's a part of relationship. You don't stand if we stop and stand with somebody, that's indicating a little different involvement, is it not? Because I can do a greeting, I can do a little, but if I stop and stand beside you, now we've taken the conversation to a different level. Now I'm going to stand here for a little bit. But, but can we be honest? Um, what's the longest you've ever stood and talked to somebody? Now, some of you have set global records on this, but... How long have you actually stood and talked to somebody? Like a few hours maybe? But at some point in time, you're going to be like, bro, I got to sit down. <laughs> I got to leave or sit down. I can't just stand in the yard here all night. So now he gets to the, the highest intensity of this relationship. And he says, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now... Now we've reached the highest level of relationship where now we're sitting. And if you, if you, if you, you know, you can sit with people for a long time, can't you? 
I mean, to the point where people are like, you're still here. So when you look at the beginning of Psalms, you see this increasing intensity as far as our relationship with what he defines as the wicked. In the counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of scoffers. There's an increasing intensity of what that looks like. It means, it means we've, we've developed an increasing relationship with people who do not believe or do not put their trust in the Lord. Now, some of us get this, some of us get this confused because you say, hey, Chris, Jesus hung out with sinners. And this church teaches us to hang out with sinners. And, and um, by the way, that would be hanging out with your family most of the time. But, um, you, know, expel, you know, expand it past that. That would be great. Okay. When Jesus met Zacchaeus along the road, and there's this big crowd, Zacchaeus climbs up into the tree. You remember, um, some of you, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Um, this parallelism to try to point out how little Zacchaeus was. But then we get into this um, circumstance where Zacchaeus and Jesus go into Zacchaeus' house and we don't know what's talked about. There's not, a narr- there's not a narrative of what they talked about. We just know that after the conversation, after the meal, Zacchaeus comes out and says, hey, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to give a ton of stuff away and I'm going to repay everybody four times. Like I'm, I'm done, man. This is, uh, okay. Do you know what didn't happen? Jesus didn't walk out and say, Zacchaeus had a few good points. And I'm considering what Zacchaeus said. You know, I think, listen, the reason I bring that up is because ministering to people is different than taking counsel. You, do you know what I'm saying here? Jesus ministered to people who had no faith. Jesus ministered to people that were far away from God. Jesus ministered to people. Jesus had relationships with people that he was, that he was, that he was in the process of redeeming, bringing to themselves. But he never took counsel from them. Are you following me? So now what happens is we have a different, we have a different set of rules to judge these things by now. Now we don't, now we don't try to find out, does this person place their trust in God? We just want to find out if they're successful. Are you, come on. And so, so what the church does is we, we, we look at people and we go, yeah, we want to minister to them, but they've got a couple good tips, man. I'm willing to take them. And the writer of the psalm is saying, hey, listen, if you start walking in the way of the wicked, if you start walking in the way of the wicked, if you start taking counsel, and it might be, it might be just something small, like you're just walking and, and, and it's not a deep relationship yet, but you got to be careful because if you start walking with the way of the wicked, then it leads to standing and then it leads to sitting. And then it leads, so he's painting this picture of that it leads to embracing what the wicked believe. Are you following me? So don't confuse that with old school church used to say, come out and be separate, which means you can have no relationships outside of the church. That's what that meant. Back in the day, I remember that we are, we are in the world, but we're not of it. And if you know somebody that smokes cigarettes, you know, 
Like, like you're going to smell like smoke when you leave their presence. Yeah. That's what happens with secondhand smoke, right? So what the church did was we kind of recoiled and we said, well, we got to be so careful. We got to be so careful. But the beauty about Jesus was he didn't have to be careful because he wasn't taking counsel. So he knew where his strength came from. He knew, he knew that he was following the will of the Father. There was no question. There was no, there was no doubt. There was no misunderstanding about it. He knew what his assignment was. And so when he went and hung out with sinners, when he was even accused of, hey, you eat and drink with sinners, what is your problem? He's like, what you don't understand is I can minister to them, but I'm not walking or standing or sitting with them in the sense that I'm taking advice. Think about how often we do this. Finances and marriage and kids. I, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I started deciding in my life and my family, this is where I believe God wants us to go. This is, this is how I think he wants my life to line up. And so the people I'm going to take advice from have to be in that vein. Amen? That doesn't mean I can't hang out with other people. That doesn't mean I can't minister to other people. That doesn't mean that you won't find me with sinners. I love them. That doesn't mean... That doesn't mean that people have serious issues I can't be around. That doesn't mean any of that. But it means when I start taking counsel and when I start taking advice and when I start de- deciding who I'm going to trust in, I'm, I'm selective. I'm selective. Are you following me? We're going to get to the rest thing here in a second. Jeremiah 17.5 is similar in the way he says this. He says, trust in man, believes in his own strength, turns from the Lord. Do you see that progression? The wicked will trust in man. They believe, and then they believe in their own strength. And then the ultimate intensity, they turn from the Lord. Do you see, do you see that increasing? And so both the poet and the prophet proclaim the same end for the wicked. There's no fruit, no stability, and ultimately death. Look at your neighbor say, no fruit, no stability, and ultimately death. Now my question is, how many people on Amazon reviewing that coffee maker are on this path? And you're buying the same, never, that's a joke. That's a joke. We're like, we need a holy coffee maker. But how many things on TikTok sound good to us, seem like rational thoughts, but end up being the path of death. How many things on Instagram? How many things on Facebook? How many things on Google? How many things? Because, because we're, we end up sitting with people who trust in themselves and not God. We end up parroting people who, who, who are sitting in the seat of the wicked and, and we're not even questioning it. Well, this is what everybody thinks. Well, the majority of people are sitting in the wrong seat. And so the church has to back away 
and, and get a broader view of our, of our goals in our life and say, hey, listen, I need to make sure the stuff I'm taking in, the advice I'm taking in, the counsel I'm taking in is not, it, it lines up with God's word. And so there's a, there's a burden for us to check on it. Amen. So three do nots. Are you, are you, are you good with that now? Don't, don't, don't get in a little bit. Don't get in a lot and don't get it all the way. Okay. Now, now we'll switch to the good news. Blessed are those who do. Now, uh, I need to make sure you understand something. Because this is where it gets a little bit confusing because you say, well, we don't earn our salvation. Do you know that? You don't earn your salvation. And if you walked in here this morning thinking, I'll be good today and I'll go to church and God will love me. God doesn't love you any more now that you're in church than when you weren't. Amen. Amen? And you think, how can that be? It's God. That's how it can be. He has an eternal love for you that doesn't ebb or flow according to what you do. So I want to make sure you understand, don't apply this to your salvation, but you better apply it to your rest. These are two different topics we're talking about because I've seen, I've seen saved people in turmoil because they can't, they can't fully trust God with their daily things. They've been able to trust God with their salvation. Do I think I'm going to heaven at the end of the day? Yes, I do. But I am so anxious about what's getting ready to happen in an hour that I can't rest. Are you following me? So what I need you to understand is that I'm not talking about when it says, blessed are those who do these things. He's not talking about you are saved because of these things. He's saying this is how to bring rest and peace into your life. Are you with me? So he says, blessed are those who do. So I'm one, two, but the light in the, but the light is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. He's saying, blessed is the one who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. What is the thing you're thinking about the most? Who is God? What are God's characteristics? What has he said about me? What is he telling me about my circumstance? What is he telling me about hope? What is he telling me about peace? What is he telling me about people don't like me? What is he telling me about my kids? What is he telling me about my marriage? Meditates on the law day and night. All right, I'm going to get to it. Just hang in there. Jeremiah 17, 7, blesses the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. It's the same thing. We look to the Lord consistently, day and night, day and night. Lord, what is it you're saying about my life? What have you already said about me? Amen? So the psalmist and Jeremiah are saying it's not our strength and it's not our circumstances that determine whether we are blessed or not. It's our commitment and trust in the word of God. Did you hear that? So I need you to, I need you to start framing your life differently. If good things are happening, don't say you're blessed. And if bad things are happening, don't say you're not blessed. The church should change our vernacular in this thing. We should say we're blessed because we get to trust in the Lord. Oh wait, this is totally different. You got to rewire the way you think about this because the church and everyone else in the world, because we've been taking counsel from those outside the world have deemed that blessing looks like full bank accounts, good health and all these things. Right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And if you go to the right church, it might mean a Lamborghini. I mean, you can search those on the internet. There's plenty of them. Now you're going to have to give a lot more. 
but there's a formula there <laughs> that I don't recommend, by the way. So what, what, what the psalmist and what Jeremiah are saying is, no, 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 it has nothing to do with your circumstance. It has nothing to do with any of that stuff. It has all everything to do with you are trusting in the Lord, and that's an indication that you are blessed. Because now you found your peace regardless of what's going on around you. Okay? So here we go. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Blessing comes not only from knowing God's word, but the consistent application of it. And that blessing ends up looking like restfulness in every season. So I get to trust in God. Then I get to apply God's will to my life. And then I get to be at rest. And you say, oh, Chris, that's beautiful. But you just gave me a list of three things not to do and one thing to do. And it's just like, it's this elementary thing. And it's like, oh, come on, man. You know, I'm married to. Just wake, you just expect me to wake up and be like, oh, oh trust in you, Lord. It's all good. And now I get to. Seems a little oversimplified, doesn't it? But the psalmist goes on and so does Jeremiah. Psalm 1-3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. That sounds pretty neat, doesn't it? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Jeremiah paraphrases this in 17 verse 8. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought. Did you hear that? For it does not cease to bear fruit. I'm going to read Jeremiah's. With the way Jeremiah frames again, he is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Now, let me, let me let you in on something here. That word for planted in some translations of the Bible, in a few translations of the Bible, that word is translated to transplanted or replanted. How many of you know that we're all transplants? Yeah, you were not born righteous. You might have been born cute, but not righteous. Uh, And we need to make that distinction. Because babies are cute, but they're still sinners. Give them time. I'm just saying, they'll prove themselves. That we are all born with sin. Amen? So this, this myth that the world has that we're born essentially good people and, and, and then we, you know, then we make bad decisions later. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we were all born into sin. And so we all have to deal with that. And we start, it starts manifesting itself pretty early in our lives. In kids with, you know, selfishness and greed and, and all those things. And then we get to adulthood, we start killing each other. I mean, it's, it's kind of that progression. All right. The issue that, that, that we find is that as people of, that have followed Christ, we have been uprooted. Paul would say we were slaves to sin in, in his letter to the Romans. That we were, that, that, that we were in Jeremiah and, and the psalmist 
terms, we were planted in sin. Our roots were in sin. Our, our knowledge was in sin. Our source was in sin. Everything about us was at some point in time rooted in sin. Paul called it being a slave to sin. If, if, if sin is what you're absorbing, then sin is what you put out. Amen? That's gonna, we're going to tie all this together. Follow me. If sin is what you're absorbing, sin is what you're going to put out. If, if you suck up bad stuff from the soil, you're going to produce fruit that you can't eat. Amen? Okay. But at some point in time, we, we accept the grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ, and he comes and he transforms us into a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Are you following me? So the psalmist and Jeremiah say the way that, metaphorically the way that happens is we dig up the tree that was planted in, in unrighteousness and sin and we go over and we plant it by the stream. It doesn't say the stream is seasonal. It doesn't say the stream ever runs out. It doesn't say now. Now I need you to also understand something when this was written. The, 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 the image would have been different when this was written than what we have. Because we have fertile land pretty much everywhere you go around here. True? Yep. You can dig a garden in your backyard. You're like, well, Pastor Chris, I don't have a stream in my backyard. Them trees grow just fine. That might be true. But try it in a desert. And when this was written, it wasn't written in the eastern panhandle of West Virginia where we can grow apple trees anywhere. No, it was written... Because if you're planted anywhere other than beside the stream, your chances of growing are, are, are almost none. Matter of fact, Jeremiah says you're, you're blown around like a, like basically like a tumbleweed. It's an image of a desert. And the problem with modern day Christianity is we don't have a desert water mentality. We believe we can just kind of be over, you know, somewhere in the middle here and we could just be, be playing around loosey goosey in the middle and there's enough, we could just get enough water if we have to, but we can, you know, we can still hang out with the cool kids and we can, we can, we could still do what everybody else is doing. We can still think the way everybody else is doing, but the psalmist of Jeremiah is saying, unless you're planted Close enough to the water, what you have to understand is there is no sustenance over there. There's nothing to sustain you over there. All the things to sustain you are, are based on where you're planted. So he says, if you stay over here, you're not going to produce any fruit. You're going to wither up. Your, your leaves are going to turn brown. It's going to be bad. But if, you, but if you're transplanted by the water, guess what happens? It doesn't matter what happens. Did you hear that? If you're planted by the water, it doesn't matter what happens. So picture this. Planted in the desert. Well, the majority of the people live out here in the desert. Everybody has an opinion about the desert. And so we're just absorbing. Remember, you're walking, standing, sitting. Remember, you're just taking it in, taking it in, taking it in, taking it in, taking it in. And, and really, we're feeding ourselves every day. Now, they couldn't imagine this, but, but, but the, the psalmist said um, to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. And what we're doing is we're meditating on everything else but the law of the Lord. 
And we are meditating on it and our phones are glowing in our faces. And we're meditating and meditating and meditating. And what, our do, what we're doing for the most part is we're taking counsel away from the source. And so now we're laying down, meditating. Now we're not just standing, walking, or walking, standing, and sitting. We're, we're walking, standing, sitting, laying down. Morning and night. What's everybody doing? What's everybody doing? What's everybody doing? What's everybody doing? How, we, how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, how should I treat my kid? What should I do for anxiety? What should I do for depression? What should I do for this? What should I do for this? What should I do for this? And we just, and you know what the crazy part is? The blue light is causing most of it. So we put our blue light glasses on. And we go, I should be feeling better, but I'm not. Because Susie had three vacations this year and I only had one. And they're at the beach again. How did they afford to go to the beach again? They got three kids, I only got two. How did they get, we both work, only one of them works. How do they do it? How do they do it? Susie got a new car and went to the beach. How do they, oh my God. Billy gets to play golf four days a week. How's Billy do it? I get paid more than Billy. Why's Billy kids, why's Billy's kids more smart than mine? Why's he doing this? And then we start doing this, Billy's kids are in jail. Ha ha. Yeah, good for Billy. That's what playing golf four days a week gets you. You neglected your kids. I haven't spent the night at most of your houses, but I know how it goes. Zero fruit is produced from that meditation. So when he saved us, he didn't save us to try to then figure out where the stream was and try to send roots over the next 30 years. He dug you up and he moved you and planted you where the source was. He who puts his trust in the Lord, he whose trust is the Lord. I don't need to know what everybody else is doing. I'm meditating on the law of the Lord day and night. Come on, I'm preaching to myself. I'm meditating on his law day and night. Oh, what's the church down the road doing? Oh, what's the church up there doing? What's the church? Oh, the famous church. Oh, what is it? No, no. Meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Because the beautiful thing about meditating on the law of the Lord, he's like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when he comes. Can I tell you tonight, today, heat is coming. As surely as spring will pop over the horizon, summer will pop over the horizon and heat will come to the believer. But the difference between you and the people that sit in the seat of scoffers is that your leaves will not turn brown. It doesn't mean that it won't come. It doesn't mean that the temperature won't increase. It doesn't mean that there won't be seasons in your life where you're going, God, this is getting hot. But the beautiful thing is, is that it won't have the impact on you that it has when you are planted in the other area. And what the church has to realize that when we stay over here and we take advice from people whose leaves are withering on the vine, that we run the risk of ending up the same way. So if he dug you up and planted you, stay planted. Stop vacillating back and forth. Get in the law of God. Get in the word of God. And I know it's like, oh man, I've heard this my whole life. Read the Bible more. Well, try it. 
For God's sake, in Jesus' name, try it every now and then. Because the Bible points to the Word of God as being our source. If you're trying to figure out what your marriage is supposed to look like, go, God, show me. If you're trying to figure out what to do with your kids, God, show me. And he's going, I will show you, but you've got to spend a little time. Well, it's easier over here, Lord. TikTok has videos. See? Instagram has videos, Lord. Look. These parents are so great. Look at their kids. Don't sit with them. Sit with me. Don't sit with them. Sit with me. I'm not saying everything on there is bad, but 99% of it is. And we become sheep following the wrong shepherd. And the psalmist and Jeremiah are, Jeremiah is begging people at this point in time, plant yourself next to the source and stay in it. Because when everyone else's leaves wither up, you, you're going to be okay. You're going to be at rest when the heat comes. What are they going to notice about you? I'm at rest. When the drought comes, what are they going to notice about you? I'm at rest. Is my life perfect? Nope, but my trust is in him, not me. Is my life perfect? Nope, but my trust is in him, not you. Is it perfect? No. Is it stressful? Yes, but my trust is in him and not my circumstances. And the beauty about the church is we, we have been transplanted, so we should act like it. We should take advantage of the resources right there. Your roots don't have to go very far to get the water now. Ephesians 2, verse 1 through 10, some of my favorite verses of the whole Bible. And you were dead in the trespasses of sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. It's exactly what the psalmist is saying. He's like, you were dead because you were following all the things of this world among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which, which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ, he dug you up out of the desert and said, come over here to where the water runs all the time and you're not going to have to struggle to find sustenance for your life. You're not going to have to wonder. You're not going to have to question it. It's going to be there every time, but I need you to lean into it be a tree that's always going towards the dry land. Be a tree that's always moving towards the water. Stand to your feet. He wants you to be consistently at rest. If you can find that rest in him, no matter your circumstance, you will consistently yield fruit. Now I'm going to explain this to you really quick. We've got to wrap this up. Have you ever heard of a water tree? A tree that sucks up water and produces water. It's because they don't exist. I was just testing you. That's dumb. Now the beauty about this is, is that Ephesians 2.10 says, you're creating in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. That presupposes that you will stay planted by the water. And what you do is you suck up the nutrients from that. Every tree does it. 
You suck up the nutrients from that tree, and depending on the DNA or the genetics of the tree, it produces a fruit in accordance with the type of tree it is. Amen? And so when it's getting the nutrients, if it's a fruit tree, it produces, may produce apples or peaches or, or, or oranges or whatever. If it's a nut tree, it may produce pecans or walnuts. But, it, but it's doing what it was created to do. But if you put any of those trees in a desert, they'll produce nothing. But if the body of Christ comes together and says, he dug us up from there. And by his grace and mercy, Ephesians 2. He moved us over here where all the sustenance was, where all the the water, all the water we could need is. And what happens is now I suck up what he's giving me, the eternal water, and now I'm producing what I'm supposed to produce. And it's as unique to you as any, as your DNA. It's as unique to you as anything that ever. It is unique to you as your fingerprint. It is uniquely you. And the thing that God is combating with this culture is that I planted you over here to be you. I planted you over here to, to, to drink of me, to, to fast, to, to, to feast on my word, to meditate on it day and night. And when you do that, you will be as uniquely you as you have ever been. So the church has to pull ourselves away. We don't walk, we don't stand, we don't sit. We get into the flow of God's presence and we start producing what he has called us to produce from the beginning of time. And then we go, I'm at rest. No matter what comes, I'm at rest. Father, we thank you for this moment, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would look like blessed people, not because of our income or any or any materialistic thing, but because the peace and rest of God is in us because we trust in the Lord. And I pray when that rest finally overtakes our souls in Christ, that we could produce fruit that the world never believed could happen. I believe the church can rise up and produce fruit that will astonish the people around us. Plan us securely, Lord, in you, in your word. And Lord, produce in us a righteousness that gives you glory. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Come on, can you give him honor and praise this morning? He's good. Amen.